morning, everybody. Is everybody happy to be here? Then show us how happy you are and stand up. Let's get our blood flowing and let's invite the Holy Spirit in to just uh, take away all these troubles we've had all week and plan for a new week, new blessings this week. Out of the grave, I'm walking too. If he walks out of the grave, I'm walking too. If he walks out of the grave, I'm walking too. If he walks out of the grave, I'm walking too. If he walks out of the grave, I'm walking too. If he walks out of the grave, I'm walking too. If
have a seat. Good morning, Burlington Baptist Church. It's good to see everyone for worship today. If you're our guest today, we want to say welcome to you and tell you that it's our pleasure to have you join us for worship today. If there's anything that we can do for you, don't hesitate to let us know. If you haven't already done this and maybe you're a first-time guest, just a reminder that on the chair in front of you there should be a QR code. If you take a moment, take your phone out, point the camera at that, it'll bring up a little bit of information sheet that you can fill out for us just so we'd have a record of your attendance today. We would greatly appreciate it. But more than that, especially if you're a first-time guest, we just ask that you take a moment and stop by our guest service desk out in the foyer and just uh, let us uh, meet you personally. And a first-time guest, they always get a gift, so make sure you stop for that. But it's just our pleasure having you join with us today. Hopefully everybody's uh, settled back into fall and school because everything is starting to happen. Just a reminder of a couple of things. Number one is, if you're a member of security or if you're a member of our guest service teams, uh, tomorrow night at 7 o'clock right here in the sanctuary, we'll be having uh, just a training meeting to go over all of our stuff. If you've always wanted to volunteer someplace and uh, thought maybe that might be one of the places, we welcome you to come and join us tomorrow night. Don't worry, you don't have to sign up. Just come at 7 o'clock to the sanctuary, and uh, we can share the information with you about serving in those two ministries. Also, with um, so much going on, Kids Rock is going on now on Wednesday nights. It's just great when you pull into this parking lot and you see it full with student ministries running, with the family night dinners, so many small groups. If you're not a part of a group, we encourage you to find one, and we can help you do that. You can simply call the office. Again, stop out at the desk. We have a whole listing of all the groups that are meeting right now, but we want you to find a place not only just to come and worship, but to also grow in your faith in Christ. And you choose from one of those groups and meet some wonderful people, and they'll walk that walk with you. Also... It is October, so our big candy on the corner is at the end of the month. And just a reminder that we are beginning to take candy for that. 
So if you uh, want to donate a bag of candy for all the Bible study or for the small groups that have tables out in the area, if you've ever been here, you know that we have thousands of people that walk through our parking lot. And we offer the opportunity just to get to meet them, invite them to church, and it's just a wonderful time for our church, wonderful outreach, and we would love for you to be a part of that. If you are not in a group that's doing well and you want to have a table, let us know in the office. We'd be happy to set a table up for you, and you can pass out candy and meet people too. You can never have too much candy, can you? Some of you need some this morning, and I can tell that. It's either that or coffee, whatever you need. We've got that available too. But, yeah, make sure that you get that candy in because that just helps Beth and the children's ministry as they promote that and they push that this time of year. It's just a wonderful time. Last thing I want to tell you is this, that uh, yesterday I received a message from Jim Woolhams, and we do have an area in which we are beginning to look at to go serve in Louisiana. Um, we have our host church, I think, all lined up, and we're looking at October the 25th. If you didn't get a chance to be at the meeting that we had and you want to sign up to possibly go down and uh, do some service time uh, with our group, don't hesitate to let me know. Um, you can either call me, come by the office, email me, text me. It doesn't matter how you get the message to me. We'll put you on our email list that we already have and that information going out. But we know that we're going to need people in probably rotating groups and as we look, move forward and try to set those dates to go down there and do some construction work on some of the people that have struggled, a lot of the churches down there that are trying to put back their churches, um, we'd love to have you come and join us. And I know it's just a, a great blessing of just being able to serve. So don't, don't, don't let that pass by if that happens to be your passion. It's great to be in the house of the Lord. Great to have this opportunity to come and worship. And as we begin, I'm just going to ask that you join with me for a word of prayer. Heavenly Father, we're thankful for today. We're thankful for today because we have the freedom to come into this place and worship you. And Father, we never want to take that freedom for granted. So we just pray that you just watch over and care for our freedoms, for us as individuals, but most of all, for those people that are out there and they don't know your son, Jesus Christ, because that's the reason why we exist, just to share his love and his grace with a lost world. And Father, as we gather in this place today, we've brought in all kinds of things from our lives. And some of the things that we're dealing with, we've given over to you and we've taken back. Father, let this be the day that we truly let our Heavenly Father help us remove some of the heavy things that we carry each day. And look closer to you and your salvation that you offer to everyone in this world. And just offer us freedom as believers in you. So today, in this mighty way, we just ask that you move the Holy Spirit through this place. Let us feel your presence. Let us know that you are our Father and that you've got everything under control. Let us remember those people that are outside of these walls that don't have a place to worship, and they might not know you personally, Father. So create those opportunities so we can share that love with them. Father, we love you and adore you, and we thank you for all you do for us each day. All the programs and all the stuff that goes on in this church, they're nothing without you. So today, as we enter in this time of worship, just breathe in us a new breath so we can just be on mission and on task for you. And we pray all these things in the precious name of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Amen. Would you stand back up with us one more time this morning?
have a seat this morning. Uh, we're going to sing a song today. I got to thinking about uh, the part that Lindsay added to this song when we sing it about uh, even when I don't see God, he's working. And even when we don't feel it, he's working. And uh, I think sometimes <clears throat> we get kind of feeling like we're far away uh, from God. But uh, this song kind of reminds us that that's not him moving away from us. Most of the time, that's us moving away from him. So, but he's always there for us.
worship you. Light in 
the darkness, my God, that is who you are. We make miracle worker, promise keeper, light in the darkness, my God, that is who you are. Amen. Amen. Thank you, praise team. I invite you to turn to Daniel chapter 2. Thank you, Danny. We started in Daniel last week. Uh, courage in the midst of chaos. And uh, last week we saw Daniel and his friends stand firm on their convictions. And uh, God showed favor and his sovereignty. And uh, this morning we're going to be in Daniel chapter 2. And as you turn there, you might notice there's 49 verses. And uh, you're thinking, oh my goodness, we'll never get out today. But uh, we will. And uh, we're going to talk about confidence in the coming king. And I invite you to stand. I think we'll read about 23 verses. I'll let you sit down, and we'll look at all 49 of them this morning. And uh, obviously won't be able to go as deep into each one of them as usual, but uh, we'll hit the highlights, and then we'll invite you to dig a little deeper this week. In the second year of the reign of Nebuchadnezzar, Nebuchadnezzar had dreams. His spirit was troubled, and he, his sleep left him. Then the king commanded that the magicians, the enchanters, the sorcerers, and the Chaldeans be summoned to tell the king his dreams. So they came in and stood before the king, and the king said to them, I had a dream, and my spirit is troubled to know the dream. Then the Chaldeans said to the king in Aramaic, O king, live forever. Tell your servants the dream, and we will show the interpretation. The king answered and said to the Chaldeans, The word from me is firm. If you do not make known to me the dream and its interpretation, you shall be torn limb from limb, and your houses shall be laid in ruins. But if you show the dream and its interpretation, you shall receive from me gifts and rewards and great honor. Therefore show me the dream and its interpretation. They answered a second time and said, Let the king let his, tell his servants the dream, and we will show its interpretation. The king answered and said, I know with certainty that you are trying to gain time because you see that the word from me is firm. If you do not make the dream known to me, there is but one sentence for you. You have agreed to speak lying and corrupt words before me till the time ch times change. Therefore, tell me the dream, and I shall know that you, have, you can show me its interpretation. The Chaldeans answered and the king and said, There is not a man on earth who can meet the king's demand. For no great and powerful king has asked such a thing of any magician or enchanter or Chaldean. The thing that the king asks is difficult, and no one can show it to the king except the gods, whose dwelling is not with flesh. Because of this, the king was very angry and very furious and commanded that all the wise men of Babylon be destroyed. So the decree went out, and the wise men were about to be killed, and they sought Daniel and his companions to kill them. Then Daniel replied with prudence and dis discretion to Arioch, the captain of the king's guard, who had gone out to kill the wise men of Babylon. He declared to Arioch, the king's captain, Why is the decree of the king so urgent? Then Arioch made the matter known to Daniel. And Daniel went in and requested the king to appoint him a time that he might show the interpretation to the king. Then Daniel went to his house and made the matter known to Hananiah, Mishael, and Azariah, his companions, and told them to seek mercy from the God of heaven concerning this mystery so that Daniel and his companions might not be destroyed with the rest of the wise men of Babylon. Then the mystery was revealed to Daniel in a vision of the night. 
Then Daniel blessed the God of heaven. Daniel answered and said, Blessed be the name of God forever and ever, to whom belong wisdom and might. He changes times and seasons. He removes kings and sets up kings. He gives wisdom to the wise and knowledge to those who have understanding. He reveals deep and hidden things. He knows what is in the darkness, and the light dwells within him. To you, O God of my fathers, I give thanks and praise, for you have given me wisdom and might and have now made known to me what we ask of you, for you have made known to us the king's matter. Let's pray. Father, we come this morning. And, uh, Lord, we just acknowledge with Daniel that you're an awesome God. Lord, you set up kings and move kings. You establish kingdoms. You, Lord, you're sovereign, perfect in all your ways. And Lord, we can come to you and seek mercy and find grace. Lord, we're so thankful for that today. And yet in the midst of our daily lives, there are so many distractions and so many things that we look to other than you. And we pray for just a few minutes we might look to your word and come to understand some things about you. Uh, Acknowledge that your word is perfect. It's living and active. And so we pray your Holy Spirit would take your word, accomplish your purposes. We know you're always at work around us. And even in this room, you are at work in the hearts, in our hearts. And we pray we would give you freedom to accomplish all your purposes. And we pray all this in Jesus' name. Amen. You can be seated, and uh, we know from uh, chapter 1 that uh, King Nebuchadnezzar and the Babylonian army, they came against Jerusalem, they besieged the city, they took some of the young men back to Babylon and began to indoctrinate them with the Babylonian culture. King Nebuchadnezzar reigned in Babylon from 605 B.C. to about 562. He's the most significant Gentile king in the Scriptures. Uh, we, we don't count King David and the, the Jewish ones, but, but the Gentile, the non-Jewish ones, King Nebuchadnezzar is the most significant. And what we find when we come to chapter 2 is that Nebuchadnezzar had a dream. And actually, it's in the plural, and so he had dreams, maybe a series of dreams, and his spirit was troubled, and his sleep left him. Now, dreams were often significant in the ancient world. This particular dream is, is especially important because it, it predicts the future of successive empires, and it even offers us some end-time insights. And so uh, King Nebuchadnezzar has these dreams. He didn't have a clue what they meant. And so because he's troubled, because he loses some sleep, uh, he knew they must be important. And so in verse 2, the king commanded that the magicians, the enchanters, the sorcerers, the Chaldeans be summoned to tell the king his dreams. And so they came in and they stood before the king. And so anyway, he calls all the, the, the wise guys and says, I want you to come in here and tell me this dream. And, uh, and he explains to them, verse 3, he said, I had a dream. My spirit is troubled to know the dream. Verse 4 says, the Chaldeans, and this Chaldeans, this word is, is, is used synonymously with Babylonians, uh, but sometimes it, it also has the idea of, of, of kind of an upper educated class. And so uh, they said to the king in Aramaic, and I'll just make a quick note here, that uh, Daniel 1, 1 through Daniel 2, 3 is in Hebrew, and it's probably because the first chapter had was more Jewish uh, related about besieging Jerusalem, bringing 
the young men to, to Babylon. But when we get to verse 4 of chapter 2, it is written in Aramaic, and, and that's the language of the Babylonians, and that's the language that, that Daniel would have spoken while he was in exile in Babylon. And so they say to the king, O king, live forever, verse 4, tell your servants the dream, and we will show the interpretation. And so we're here to help you, king. Just tell us what you saw, and we'll tell you what it means. And, but uh, when we get to verse 5, Nebuchadnezzar makes what we could call an unusual demand. He says, the word from me is firm. If you do not make known to me the dream and its interpretation, you shall be torn limb from limb, and your houses shall be laid in ruins. And so tell me the dream, tell me what it means, or it's not going to go good for you. And we say that and say, wow, if, if uh, my wife had a dream, and the next morning she said, now tell me what I dreamed and what it means, and I would say, well, how do I know what you dreamed? Uh, these wise guys say, how do we know what you dreamed? And, uh, and so he wants more than the interpretation of the dream. He wants them to tell him what the dream was and, and its meaning. Uh, and so maybe he woke up alarmed about the dream and, and maybe forgot what it was. He knew it was serious. Uh, I do that sometimes. I, I wake up and, and then I forget the dream. But, but, it, but it seems like that he might be a little more skeptical about these magicians and uh, these sorcerers. And he knew that if he just told them the dream then they would make up some interpretation that would appease him. Now, of course, the magicians are dumbfounded by this demand. Verse 7, let the king tell his servants the dream, and we'll show you its interpretation. So king, just, just tell us what you dreamed, and then we'll explain it to you. But the king's not having it, is he? And so in verse 8, the king answered and said, I know with certainty that you're trying to gain time, because you see that the word from me is firm. You're just stalling. If you do not make the dream known to me, there is but one sentence for you. You've agreed to, you have agreed to speak lying and corrupt words before me till the time changes. Therefore, tell me the dream, and I shall know that you, that you can show me its interpretation. And so, stop wasting time. I want to know what I dreamed. I want to know what it means. And, uh, of course, the Chaldeans answered in verse 10, says, There's not a man on earth who can meet the king's demand. Now, that's not exactly true, because there is a man, his name's Daniel, and uh, he has a connection with Almighty God, but, but from their perspective, there's not a man who can tell you that the dream, and for no great and powerful king has asked such a thing of any magician or enchanter or Chaldean. The thing that the king asks is difficult, and no one can show it to the king except the gods whose dwelling is not with flesh. There's just no way, king, that we can tell you what you dreamed. Uh, that's never been asked. And, uh, and so not only did he make an unusual demand, but in verses 12 and 13, uh, an uncompromising decree. Because of this, the king was angry and very furious. The king didn't like it when people told him no, did he? And so he was angry, very furious, commanded that all the wise men of Babylon be destroyed. So the decree went out, and the wise men were about to be killed, and they sought Daniel and his companions to kill them. And so, uh, now we know from last week that Daniel and Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, they, they're part of this, this cohort of, of wise men and sorcerers. And so, uh, if he's going to destroy them all, then Daniel and his friends would be included in the group. And so, uh, 
when the decree went out, uh, they were about to be killed. And so they seek after Daniel and his companions to kill him. And I, I don't know. I think maybe Satan is behind this because Satan wanted to get rid of Daniel and his influence. So the decree went out to kill them all. And so Nebuchadnezzar had some dreams. Number two, Daniel had a dilemma. Now, Daniel had a dilemma in chapter 1. And uh, in regards to not wanting to defile himself with the king's food and drinks. And, and he handled that dilemma with his convictions and with courage. And, and he's going to do the same thing this time. Verse 14, he replied with prudence and discernment to Arioch, the captain of the king's guard. And, and so with, he's cool and collected here. He, he responds to Arioch, uh, who had gone out to kill all the wise men of Babylon. And he declared to Arioch, the king's captain, why is this so urgent? And Arioch told him about Nebuchadnezzar's dream and how urgent it is for him to get an interpretation. Verse 16, And Daniel went in and requested the king to appoint him a time that he might show the interpretation to the king. And so he said, uh, get, a, get a time from the king where I can come and talk to him and explain this. And Now, does Daniel know uh, what the dream is? Well, no, I mean, how would he? But here's what Daniel does. Daniel does what he knows to do. Uh, in verse 17, he went to his house and made the matter known to Hananiah and Mishael and Azariah, his companions, his uh, Jewish companions, and told them to seek mercy from the God of heaven concerning this mystery. So Daniel and his companions might not be destroyed with the rest of the wise men of Babylon. In other words, he went and told his friends, he said, it's time to do a little praying and fasting. Uh, we need God to reveal this dream to us. And so we need to seek God. And so I just want to call this Daniel's praying. Immediately, he goes to God. And listen, when times get desperate, that's when we get serious often about seeking the Lord through prayer and fasting. And, and Lord, help us. We're in a mess here. And that's where Daniel was. And now last week, if you remember back to Daniel 1-9, Daniel, uh, God gave Daniel favor. Daniel was living under the favor of God, and, and he seeks the Lord, and the Lord reveals. He responds in a mighty way. Verse 19 says, Then the mystery was revealed to Daniel in a vision of the night. And so God heard his prayers and, and answered those prayers by revealing the dream. And when the dream is revealed, we might expect that Daniel would just make a beeline to the king. And, but church, there's something more important. At the end of verse 19, it says that Daniel blessed the God of heaven. And so Daniel goes from praying to praising. And we notice Daniel's praising. Verse 20. Daniel answered and said, Blessed be the name of God forever and ever, to whom belong wisdom and might. Man, he's, he's got to praise the Lord here for this. And uh, he changes times and seasons. He removes kings and sets up kings. And church, here, listen to that. Uh, Daniel, in his praise to God, acknowledges some things about God. And specifically, he removes kings and sets up kings. And we got lots of people always worrying about who's in the office. And li listen, we ought to participate in that, but we ought not fret over it. Amen? Because there's a God in heaven who sets up kings and removes kings as he sees fit. 
And so, church, I, I just want to remind you that our God is big. And he holds the whole world in his hands. Isaiah 40, 12 says, He who, who has measured the waters in the hollows of his hands, I mean the oceans and the seas, we think about how vast they are. And Isaiah says he, he measures them in the hollows of his hands. Marks off the heavens with the span, enclosed the dust of the earth in a measure, weighed the mountains and scales and the hills. I, I mean, we look at these magnificent mountains, and Isaiah says, God, he's, he can measure those with his scales. And so Daniel's just giving him praise. He gives wisdom to the wise and knowledge to those who have understanding. Verse 22, he reveals deep and hidden things. He, God's able to know what he dreamed because he gave him the dream. He reveals the dreams. He knows what it is in the darkness, and the light dwells within him. To you, O God of my fathers, I give praise, thanks and praise, for you have given me wisdom and might and have now made known to me what we asked of you. For you have, you have made known to us the king's matter. And so he just wants to praise the Lord, doesn't he? Now, there's no time to waste. Uh, uh, the decree's been issued. And so verse uh, 24, Daniel went into Arioch, whom the king had appointed to destroy the wise men of Babylon. He went in and said to him, Do not destroy the wise men of Babylon. Bring me in before the king, and I'll show the king the interpretation. So stop the killing, and let me see the king. Verse 25, Arioch brought in Daniel before the king in haste and said thus to him, I have found among the exiles from Judah a man who will make known to the king the interpretation. The king declared to Daniel, whose name was Belshazzar, Are you able to make known to me the dream that I have seen in its interpretation? Daniel answered the king and said, No, no wise man, enchanters, magicians, or astrologers can show to the king the mystery that the king has asked. But... No man can do it, but there is a God in heaven who reveals mysteries, and he has made known to King Nebuchadnezzar what will be in the latter days. Your dream and the visions of your head as you lay in bed are these. And so he's going to lay this out. Uh, to you, O king, as you lay in bed came thoughts of what would be after this, and he who reveals mysteries made known to you what it is to be. But as for me, this mystery has been revealed to me. Not because of any wisdom that I have more than all the living, but in order that the interpretation may be made known to the king and that you may know the thoughts of your mind. And so it's not me, king, that I, I'm nobody, but there's a God in heaven who made this dream known to me. And so I'm going to share it with you. And starting in verse 31, he's going to share King Nebuchadnezzar's dream with him. And so basically, verse 31, you saw, O king, and behold, a great image. The image mighty and of exceeding brightness stood before you, and its appearance was frightening. I think we might have a picture of this, but it's just a, it's a, an image, and, uh, and, and what this image has, it has a, the head of the image is fine gold, and then it has the chest and arms of silver, verse 32, its middle and thighs of bronze, its legs of iron, its feet partly of iron and partly of clay, and as you looked, a stone was cut out by no human hand, and it struck the image on its feet of iron and clay and broke them in pieces. Then the iron and the clay, the bronze, the silver, and the gold all together were broken in pieces and became like the chaff of the summer threshing floors. And the wind carried them away so that not a trace of them could be found. 
but the stone that struck the image became a great mountain and filled the whole earth. And so you saw an image, the head was gold, uh, then there was silver, then there was bronze, then there was iron, and then there was iron and clay mixed together, and then there was a stone cut off, and it, it smashes the image. And, uh, and so he told Nebuchadnezzar the dream, and, uh, and so, okay, check that off. But what does the dream mean? Well, starting in verse 36, Daniel had an interpretation. This was the dream. Now we will tell the king its interpretation. Anybody ready for the interpretation? Anybody excited? All right, here we go. The, the image that the king saw in his dream represented what we would call temporal earthly kingdoms. Temporal, it means there, there's a, a time frame for them. They're earthly kingdoms, specifically they're Gentile ruled kingdoms. John Phillips, in his commentary, uh, said the interpretation of the dreams revolve around three factors, domination, deterioration, and disintegration. Now, I'm going to just point those three factors out, domination, deterioration, and disintegration. The first one is domination. World dominion had been given to King Nebuchadnezzar. And, and so he's the, the, the first one. You, O king, verse 37, the king of kings, to whom the God of heaven has given the kingdom, the power, and the might, and the glory, and into whose hand he has given wherever they dwell, the children of man, the beasts of the field, the birds of the heavens, making you rule over them all. You are the head of gold. And so, Nebuchadnezzar, you're at the very top. You're the head of goat, and the head, obviously, is the most important member of the body, and goat is the most precious of all the metals. Now, specific gravity of goat is 19.3. I'm not going to give, give all that. You don't want to know all that. But anyway, it's, the, it's, the, uh, it's much more than the, the metals that, that are underneath of it. And so this image is, is top-heavy. It's destined to collapse. Uh, but it is fitting that Babylon would be represented by gold because it was saturated by gold. And yet it would come to an end in around 539 B.C. So the, the image starts with the head of gold, and then we begin to see the deterioration or, or the decline. Verse 39, uh, another kingdom inferior to you shall arise after you. Uh, and so uh, another kingdom, this, the next kingdom is silver, which is inferior to gold. And so the, the chest and the arms are silver from back in verse 32. And that, that, that represents the, the Mesopersian empire. And that empire conquered the Babylonians. And that empire lasted about 200 years. And then it tells us that a third kingdom, in verse 39, uh, a third kingdom of bronze. That kingdom is the, the middle, the, the stomach and the thighs. And that third kingdom is the Grecian Empire under uh, Alexander the Great. And uh, Alexander the Great, uh, he began to equip his soldiers with his helmets and shields of bronze. And it says that this third kingdom, which shall rule over all the earth... We know the story of Alexander the Great. He, he conquered all the known earth, and he was depressed because there wasn't more to conquer. And so he conquered all the known earth, and, and then he died at a, a young age of, of 33. Verse 40 says, And there shall be a fourth kingdom, strong as iron, because iron breaks to pieces and shatters all things, and like iron that crushes, it shall break and crush all these. 
This fourth kingdom, the, the legs, is iron, and it represents the Roman Empire. And, and the, the Rome's mighty empires is as strong as iron and became known as iron legions because they crushed their opposition. And then we'll talk more about the fourth kingdom and the other kingdoms in Daniel chapter 7 when he sees the, these four beasts. But just as the legs are the, the longest parts of the body, the, the Roman Empire far exceeded all the preceding empires. And most believe that it lasted around 1,600 years. And Rome was as strong as iron. And they ruled with an iron fist. They, they, they had no mercy, and they were cruel. And just as there are two legs, most scholars suggest that that represents the division of the Roman Empire around 395 or AD 395 and and so we know that there was an eastern Roman empire called the Byzantine and Constantinople was the capital and there was the western Roman empire the capital there was Rome and then verse 41 says and you saw the feet and toes partly of potter's clay and partly of iron and so there's a mixture of clay and iron it it shall be a divided kingdom but some of the firmness of the iron shall be in it, just as you saw iron mixed with the soft clay. And as the toes of the feet were partly iron and partly clay, so the kingdom shall be partly strong and partly brittle. And so the final stages of the Roman Empire was kind of a mixture of democracy, dictatorship. And so you get democracy and dictatorship. You, they don't mix well together. The dictatorship is the strong part. The clay part is the, the democracy. And so the, the toes uh, of the feet speak of a division into ten empires. Again, we're going to pick this up more in chapter 7, and so I'm not going to spend too much time on it, but most believe that this is a, a, a ten-king coalition. And as we look back in history, we don't really find a a tenfold Roman coalition. And so most people believe that this is in a final form will be in the future. And in verse 44, in the days of those kings, the God of heaven will set up a kingdom that shall never be destroyed. Let me read that again. In the days of those kings, the God of heaven will set up a kingdom that shall never be destroyed, nor shall the kingdom be left to another people. It shall break in pieces all these kingdoms and bring them to an end, and it shall stand forever. And so most people, uh, maybe not most people, but, but many believe that this is some form, of, uh, uh, some form of the Roman Empire will reemerge on the stage of history as a ten-nation European coalition, and it will be dominated by a sort of dictator. We'd call it the Antichrist. So there'll be kind of ten kings, and there'll be an antichrist. And so it seems that these ten kings will dominate the territories once held by all these other empires, at least for a short time at least. And uh, the antichrist will have power over the whole world. But listen, church, it won't last. We know it won't last. We know it from Daniel. We know it from Revelation. We know it from other places. Uh, but as Daniel has already mentioned, these empires will disintegrate. And so look back to verse 35. The iron and the clay, the bronze, the silver, the gold, all together were broken in pieces and became like the chaff of the summer threshing floors. And the wind carried them away so that not a trace of them could be found. But the stone that struck them, the image, became a great mountain and filled the whole earth. And so these empires are going to be blown away like 
chaff. And the last empire, which will be ruled by Christ himself, we can call God's eternal kingdom. And so back in verse 44, in the days of those kings, and those ten kings, the God of heaven will set up a kingdom that shall never be destroyed, nor shall the kingdom be left to another people. There's not someone coming after him. It shall break in pieces all these kingdoms and bring them to an end, and it shall stand forever. Just as you saw, saw that a stone was cut out from a mountain by no human hand, and that it broke in pieces the iron, the bronze, the clay, the silver, and the gold, a great God has made known to the king what shall be, be after this. This dream is certain, and its interpretation is sure. So, will this kingdom come about gradually? No. No, it, and it's not going to come about by any human hand, verse 34. It's going to come by divine intervention. And this kingdom that God brings about will crush the present world systems. This kingdom, this, the stone that was cut out without hands, what's the stone? We know the stone, don't we? At least seven times in scriptures, Jesus is referred to as a stone. Let me just show you one. Acts chapter 4, and uh, Peter is before the council, Peter and John both, and uh, they began to preach a little bit, and uh, Acts 4.10 says, Let it be known to all of you and to all the people of Israel that by the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, whom you crucified, whom God raised from the dead, by him this man is standing before you well. This Jesus is the stone that was rejected by you, He's talking to the Jews. He was rejected by you, the builders, which has become the, the cornerstone. And so Christ is the stone that will descend and fill the earth and come like a, a, a great mountain. And so what God wanted King Nebuchadnezzar to understand is that kingdoms come and go, but there's coming one that will remain forever. In verse 35, it says it will become like a great mountain and it will fill the whole earth. I think what he saw was describing the future glorious millennial kingdom that Isaiah saw in Isaiah 11. Uh, other prophets saw it and spoke of it and, and it was revealed to, to John in the book of Revelation. Now, part of the reason that Nebuchadnezzar wanted to know the dream is uh, he thought, well, there might be something I can do about it. But that's, that's not the case, church. Uh, verse 45 says that God revealed it to you, but this dream is certain and its interpretation is sure. And so, King Nebuchadnezzar, there's nothing you can do about this. And uh, when Nebuchadnezzar hears Daniel's explanation of the dream, he's, he's relieved, he's delighted. And so in 46 and 47, Nebuchadnezzar expresses his delight. The king, Nebuchadnezzar, fell upon the face, on his face. He paid homage to Daniel and commanded that an offering and incense be offered up to him. And of course, Daniel's saying, no, what, king, no, no, I, I already told you, it's not me. I'm just a man. There's a God in heaven who revealed this to me. And so hold on with that, and notice that God is praised. Verse 47, the king answered and said to Daniel, Truly your God is God of gods and Lord of lords and a revealer of mysteries, for you have been able to reveal this mystery. Truly your God is the God of gods. Now, now we read that and we think, well, Nebuchadnezzar just become a believer. 
And it sounds like that, but we, that's not the case because we get to the next chapter and, and Nebuchadnezzar is setting, up a, setting himself up as a god. But for a moment, he does give some lip service to God. And listen, I just want to say he was right about that. He is God of gods. He, he is the sovereign God. He is the one that we look to. And, and Nebuchadnezzar could have, should have acknowledged that. So not only is God praised, but, but Daniel is promoted Verse 48, the king gave Daniel high honors and many great gifts, made him ruler over the whole province of Babylon and chief prefect over all the wise men in Babylon. And so he, man, he promotes him to the highest position. And, and uh, he's still in his teens. He, he's a young man. God's hand of and favor is upon him. And, and, uh, and so Daniel is promoted. And uh, now he's still loyal to his friends. Because in verse 49, Daniel made a request. I, I want you to do something for my friends. He appointed Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego over the affairs of the province of Babylon. But Daniel remained at the king's court. And so Daniel's promoted. He shared the dream. What's the significance for us? And here it is. I, I think what we need to be reminded is that God's in control. And therefore... We got to know that first, but because he's in control, we can live with confidence. We we don't have to fret over every little thing. Amen. We we do that, don't we? Sometimes. And so, verse thirty-five would just tell us that uh, all these other kingdoms are going to be broken in pieces and. And they're going to be blown away by the, the wind. Listen, all earthly kingdoms will come to naught. But verse 44, God of heaven will set up a kingdom that shall never be destroyed. Psalm 118, verse 22, the stone that the builders rejected has become the cornerstone. Jesus picks up on that in Matthew 21, 21, 42. Jesus said to them, have you never read in scriptures, the stone the builders rejected has become the cornerstone? This was the Lord's doing, and it is marvelous in our eyes. And so, church, we can live with much confidence that our God knows the future because he holds the future. And I just want to remind you, verse 45, this dream is certain and its interpretation is sure. It is so certain that when we come to the closing pages of scriptures, listen to what John sees. John 19, or Revelation 19, verse 11. Then I saw, this is right after the, the marriage supper of the Lamb. We come back with our Lord. John said, I saw heaven opened up and behold a white horse. The one sitting on it is called Faithful and True. And in righteousness he judges and makes war. His eyes are like a flame of fire. And on his head are many diadems. And he has a name written that no one knows but himself. He is clothed in a robe dipped in blood. And the name by which he is called is the Word of God. And the armies of heaven arrayed in fine linen, white and pure, were following him on white horses. And from his mouth comes a sharp sword with which to strike down the nations, and he will rule them with a rod of iron. He will tread the winepress of the fury of the wrath of God the Almighty. On his robe and on his thigh he has a name written, King of kings and Lord of lords. Listen, our Lord is coming back one day, and he is going to take care of business, and he's going to establish his kingdom, and it's going to last forever and ever And so we pray, thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven.
Let's pray. Father, you have reminded us today that this is your story. And kingdoms will rise up and there'll be great kings like Nebuchadnezzar and Alexander the Great. And the kingdoms will also fall as you see fit. And one day Jesus will return and establish his eternal kingdom. Until that day, I pray that we would live with confidence. We'll not fret over every little thing that comes up around us. Lord, that we'll commit ourselves to proclaiming the good news of Jesus. Lord, may we not reject the stone that will become the cornerstone. May we not give lip service to, to Jesus, but may we acknowledge him as Lord and Savior for your glory. In Jesus' name. Amen. Will you stand with me this morning? And listen, I just uh, I want to invite you to respond. Listen, don't don't respond like Daniel did or like Nebuchadnezzar did, and just give God some lip service. Don't respond like so many do. Respond in faith to the one who came to save you from your sins. The, the stone that will become the cornerstone, the one that we'll build our life upon. I, I want to invite you this morning to respond in faith to Jesus. I want to invite you to respond in confidence to the coming King. And uh, if you need to respond in another way, if you need to come and just pray, Lord, help me to quit fretting over everything. Help me to trust you. I invite you to do that. If you need to be saved, want to know more about being a member of the church, want to celebrate the Lord's Supper this morning, we invite you to respond as the Lord leads you. Are you hurting broken within? Overwhelmed by the weight of your sin? Jesus is calling. Have you come to the end of yourself? Do you thirst for a drink from the well? Jesus is calling. Oh, come to the altar. The Father's arms are open wide. Forgiveness was born is the blood of Jesus Christ. Leave behind your regrets and mistakes. Come today, there's no reason to wait. Jesus is calling. Bring your sorrows and train them for joy. From the ashes a new life is born. Jesus is calling. Oh, come to the altar. The Father's arms are open wide. Forgiveness was bought with the precious blood of Jesus 
coming out this morning and uh, if we could help you find a Bible study we'd be glad to do that uh, just want to mention next week uh, Jonathan and Emily Martin will be here with us uh, they'll be leading worship and uh, at 9 30 they're going to be doing a little seminar in here about family worship uh, if that's something that uh, would be beneficial to you maybe uh, we tend to think of family worship with our kids but you, you don't have to have kids to worship together with you uh, with your spouse, but they'll be doing a little seminar at 9.30 next week in here, and uh, we look forward to having them with us next uh, Sunday, and uh, I think that's it. Thank you for your faithfulness. Uh, thank you for giving. There's some uh, brown or black boxes out there that you can give in, and uh, the white clear boxes are for the Dollar Club, and uh, stowed your thunder there, didn't I, Danny? <laughs> I'll say it again. I'm not scared. You tell them about it again. I will tell them again. Yeah. yeah. Well, like Harold said, the clear boxes on your way out are the Dollar Club boxes. and uh, We mention those every week, but it is a huge ministry, and it also feeds our benevolence. So um, yeah, be, if you feel led to give, give. It's great to see you guys. It's going to be a beautiful day today, so let's pray together. Well, we just thank you so much for this opportunity to come into your house, Lord. And we just thank you for this book and, and all the applicable stuff that happened today, Lord. And thank you for this book as we can go back and, and look and see all of the things that it talks about and watch them through history as they come to pass. And, and just shows the, just the proof and the validity of your word. And we just thank you so much for that. But we just ask the blessings on those who are sick or dealing with bad cancer diagnosis or bad diagnosis, Lord, recovering from surgeries. We just want to lift them up to you this morning. And we just ask you to watch us as we go along our way. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen.